This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. I'm Tyler Clausen, and this is what's happening this week in our community. A letter signed by more than 780 organizations, businesses, and community leaders was sent to the Clackamas County Board of County Commissioners last week, urging them to scale up the county's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, even as members debate the possibility of defunding the office. The letter and lists of signatories includes nonprofit service providers, education leaders, and businesses large and small, as well as concerned residents, including nearly a dozen from Canby. During budget discussions earlier this year, Clackamas County Commissioner Mark Scholl proposed defunding the Clackamas County Equity and Inclusion Office, calling the nearly $830,000 in proposed funds which pays for programming and three full-time employees, an unnecessary expense that only foments friction. Several other commissioners signaled their willingness to consider such a move, though the Board of Commissioners and Budget Committee members ultimately voted 9-1 to to table the proposal. The July 6 urges commissioners to consider the office as an essential investment critical to ensure a welcoming, safe, and prosperous community. The Clackamas County Office of Equity and Inclusion is an essential piece of our region's shared values of safety and inclusion, said Cole Merkel, co-director of Here Together and an Oak Grove resident. By prioritizing the values of equity, this office empowers marginalized voices, addresses systemic inequalities, and works towards a more welcoming Clackamas County. Merkel says the letter shows that creating a community where every individual is valued, respected, and has an equal opportunity to thrive is a nonpartisan issue. Diversity makes our community stronger, he said. The letter was sent to the Clackamas County Board of County Commissioners today in advance of their policy meeting on Tuesday, July 11th, when they were initially expected to discuss plans for the Office of Equity and Inclusion. That discussion was later rescheduled to August 1st. The letter's signers said they want commissioners to not only retain the office, but expand the county's work on equity and inclusion. 
by prioritizing the values of equity and inclusion, we attract talent, enhance productivity, and cultivate innovation, said Trey Winthorpe, CEO of Bob's Red Mill. Supporting this office is not only morally imperative, but also economically advantageous, as it paves the way for a prosperous Clackamas County where everyone can thrive and contribute. The letter also signed by a number of current and former state and local elected officials, including the mayor or city councilors of Lake Oswego, Milwaukee, Oregon City, Gladstone, Estacada, and Wilsonville, State Representatives Mark Gabba, Anessa Hartman, and Kaisi Jama, and former Commissioners Sonia Fisher and Ken Humbertson. I wholeheartedly endorse and advocate for the continued support of the Office of Equity and Inclusion, said Lake Oswego Mayor Joe Buck. The work of this office will foster a stronger sense of community, attract diverse businesses, and create an environment where every resident can thrive. The work of this office is not only essential for building a respectful and equitable community, but also contributes to our county's long-term economic growth and success. To read the letter and the list of signatories, find this story on our website at canbefirst.com. A Milwaukee police officer was hit by a Clackamas County Sheriff's Office car on Monday as police pursued and ultimately captured the suspect in an armed robbery of a car dealership on Southeast McLaughlin Boulevard. Around 6 p.m. Monday, Clackamas County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a call reporting an armed robbery at the dealership located in the 14,000 block of McLaughlin in urban, unincorporated Clackamas County. Deputies began a search for the suspect in a stolen 2009 white Ford Ranger that was reported to have front and rear end damage after hitting several cars in the parking lot of the dealership. Around 6.20 p.m., with the help of the Air Unit and Milwaukee Police Department, the suspect's truck was found. The officers used spike strips and were eventually able to stop the truck using a Pursuit Intervention Technique or PIT maneuver. In the course of the chase, a Milwaukee Police Department officer was injured after being hit by a Clackamas County Sheriff's Office vehicle. The officer was taken to a local hospital and is expected to survive. The robbery suspect was arrested on the scene and the crash investigation will be led by the Oregon State Police. The Canby Area Chamber of Commerce was recently recognized for more than a century of service to the local community, being named to the Portland Business Journal's list of businesses and organizations over 100 years old in Oregon and Southwest Washington for 2023. Coming in at 44th on the list, the Canby Area Chamber of Commerce joins organizations such as Willamette University, established in 1842, Pacific University, 1849, and Linfield University, 1858. Sparked by Citizens' Campaign for a Greater Canby, the Canby Area Chamber of Commerce was officially founded on March 22, 1911. During its 112-year history, the Chamber has advocated for land use, saving the historic railroad depot, and providing funds to help restore it. 
public parking, the local swimming pool, and improvements to local roadways and bridges. New Executive Director Belinda Goody says the organization's focus continues to be on thoughtful growth in the Canby community and advocacy and support for local businesses at the fore. Its motto has subtly shifted as the town has grown. From its 1927 tagline, not maybe, but can be, to the current iteration, small town, big opportunities. The chamber boasts the distinction of being the largest private non-governmental business support network of its kind in Canby, and it continues to work to fulfill its ongoing mission to serve the community, local businesses, and support general commerce. For more information, visit canbyareachamber.org. In other Chamber news, the organization also released its list of official winners in their annual Best of Canby competition for 2023. Since 2021, the Chamber staff have worked to develop a limited number of categories each year to create a selection for the Best of Canby candidates, which can be challenging due to having a wide variety of businesses that may fit in many categories. Nominees must be current members in good standing with the Canby Area Chamber of Commerce, with write-ins also being accepted for non-member businesses with a Canby zip code. This year, the Chamber opened the voting with 28 separate categories and invited the Canby community to pick their local favorite businesses, people, and organizations as the best of Canby. We saw so many creative ways to share the news, from posters to signboards to TV screens and advertisements to online sharing, Executive Director Belinda Goody said. We loved seeing it everywhere we went. They tallied 42,765 individual votes, including one tenacious and apparently very skilled canine, local Instagram celebrity Sandwich the Doc. That kind of participation reflects just how much those customers, partnerships, family, and friends support Canby's local businesses and take pride in the Canby community, Goody said. Regardless of the final results, Goody said the local competition provided great exposure for member businesses and allowed the community to get involved, explore, and discover those businesses that are among the best in Canby. With so many wonderful opportunities to eat, drink, shop, and experience Canby, we are so proud to spotlight and support these outstanding businesses and their hardworking owners and staff, said Goody. Thank you to everyone who took the time to vote and help our community shine the spotlight on Canby's local favorites. She said the Chamber hopes to grow this event next year and encourages local patrons to visit and congratulate their favorite local businesses. For a complete list of the winning businesses, visit canbefirst.com. The new Forestry and Natural Resources Outreach Center at the Hopkins Demonstration Forest in Beaver Creek was officially named after a prominent local family at a dedication ceremony this weekend. The recently completed 2,400-square-foot Forestry and Natural Resources Outreach Center was named for the Belton family, prominent forest owners in the Clackamas County. 
John Belton was a well-known woodland owner who loved teaching and sharing his knowledge and experience with other landowners, professional natural resource managers, youth, and the public. He hosted numerous tours, demonstrations, and events at the family's forest property east of Sandy. Belton was raised in Clackamas County, had degrees from Lewis and Clark College and Oregon State University prior to spending his career as a university professor and administrator. He passed away in 2013. We are honored to have the Belton name on our new outreach center, said Mike Bondi, a member of the board of directors for Forest Forever Incorporated, the project's fundraising chair. Many family forest owners will remember John. He was a wonderful teacher and an innovator and advocate for the sustainable management of our natural resources. Belton was also an Oregon State University Master Woodland Manager, a trained Extension Service volunteer who worked in the community sharing their knowledge and experience with others. He was also actively involved in the Clackamas County Farm Forestry Association and American Tree Farm System and numerous other natural resource organizations. John's wife, Carol Belton, and sons, Arthur and Stephen, who live in California and Florida respectively, were present for the dedication ceremony on July 9th. The Hopkins Demonstration Forest is located at 16750 South Brockway Road in Beaver Creek. Oh yeah, I did it, I finally did it. I did the one minute death run on Fortnite. Wow, Tyler, that was awesome. And it only took you 38 hours to do that. What was that? Nothing. Hey, have you ever thought about entering a tournament for prizes or scholarships? Yeah, but I mean, there's entry fees and stuff, right? Nope. DirectLink, our local internet provider, has just announced a partnership with Fiber Gaming Network to offer free entry for their active broadband subscribers into national online tournaments. Wow, that sounds pretty sweet. So how, how does it work? Dude, it could not be easier. They have lots of different events each week for gamers of all skill levels. Folks can join the Fiber Gaming Network Discord server and connect with other players to form parties, play together, learn tips and tricks, and more. It's moderated to foster a safe and inclusive environment for all, too. Plus, I even heard that Fiber Gaming Network is working with recruiters from college esports programs to find talented new players. There are actually a ton of college scholarships available for competitive gamers now. Oh, so they have like a community aspect to it, too. That's cool. But... There has to be some catch. Monthly charges, service fees, something. Nope. All DirectLink members on Fiber can participate for free. All you have to do is visit directlink.coop/fgn to learn more. Then click the button at the bottom to sign up with Fiber Gaming Network. I've definitely got to check this out. Wow, they have like the best games. Rocket League, Fortnite, Madden NFL 23, NBA 2K23. Dude, Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Overwatch. Oh my right? Gosh. They even host trivia nights too. And you don't even need a game console to play that. You just join right from your connected device, phone, tablet, or computer. Check out these categories. Taylor Swift, Nintendo, Spider-Man, The Office. Oh, <laughs> sweet. We are so doing trivia, and we're going to destroy everyone. No kidding. I mean, you're the biggest Swifty I know. Taylor Swift for life. Visit directlink.coop slash FGN to learn more and sign up for Fiber Gaming Network events today. Oh. 
All right. So we're so excited to be welcoming back onto the show today, Jason Fellman of Hairfest for what is uh, you were, we were kind of talking has become an annual tradition at this point to yeah. look ahead to the uh, latest iteration of the awesome awesomeness that is Hairfest, which is coming up uh, here in what, just a week and a half now. Yeah, it literally starts a week from tomorrow. Uh, oh, the, wow. Because we have our kickoff party, which right, is right, right. Yeah. integrated into the event for the first time. Um, so it's Thursday night with the, you know, full production and, you know, four and a half hours of music culminating with awesome. the big spinal tap tribute, which is obviously a theme we're leading into being our 11th year. It goes to yeah. 11. So yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, let, let's start there because, um, you know, normally I'd ask you to, for folks who don't know, tell what Hairfest is, share a little bit about it. I think at this point, uh, people know um, we'll it's, it's a the mother of all tribute festivals, um, all these bands playing all the great hits from the 70s, 80s and 90s and continuing just a really awesome two day. And now, like you say, three day with the opening night um, party, just just like the ultimate party. Um, what I want to ask you instead is uh, coming into now the 11th iteration, like you say, Hairfest 11, it goes to 11. Uh, tell us just a little bit about kind of that um, that aspect of what were you looking to create um, improve on, modify, and expand. Uh, what was the thinking for you and your team coming into this festival and this year specifically? Yeah, I mean, so uh, one of the cool things about this year is that it's our second year at the new venue. And so we had obviously a really fantastic experience at the fairgrounds last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, by, by overwhelming feedback, uh, a, a real win. Um, but we always learn things, right? And we see opportunities about, oh, wow, next year we can do this. And so, yeah. um, you know, it, some of the highlights there, um, you know, one of them is that uh, we're letting people come in now. People are actually able to come in who are, when they're spending the night, they actually come in and stay Thursday night. Part of the reason why we added the kickoff party is which, with over 2,000 people spending the night, um, we want to try to make it as convenient and as sort of straightforward as possible to arrive and get settled into your camp. And so, you know, sometimes Friday rolls around, you're you're rolling in there right around five or six o'clock when music's starting. You got to hurry up and set up your tent. You know, it's like, so this way you basically get settled in. You've got Friday to get in there, explore Camby a little bit, you know, uh, t- you know, yeah. check out some of the local spots, the breakfast spots, the businesses, you know, Camby is a real super fun place. Um, with great energy on a Friday morning to, to mm-hmm. go out and, uh, and then come back in when, when, you know, music starts up on Friday um, and, and have all your full day of energy ready to go for the weekend. So that's, that's a big change in the kickoff party on Thursday, obviously. Um, the other thing is that we decided that um, we could actually create more space inside the venue for people by getting rid of our B stage, our second stage, which was smaller and yeah. actually replacing it with a second A stage. Yeah. So actually, so it's kind of odd because by reoriented, reorienting, reorienting the stages, um, they'll be sort of side by side um, and then a little turned in to create a bowl. Um, but now they're both the same size as the main stage was last year. And we create this sort of nice symmetry in the venue that's going to make it easier for people to get in a big semicircle around as opposed to having perpendicular stages, which made it yeah. a little awkward to go back and forth. So um, the other thing is that with the two main stages, you know, it's something that really we, we wanted to do for a long time because it's really a headlinerless festival. You yeah. can take the band that plays last and have them open and vice versa. And yeah. it still makes sense. Yeah. You know, one of the funniest comments I got from our lighting crew one year is to say, you know, 
the thing about this event that's so unique is that you, when you usually when you you're at a festival, you're kind of building up to the headliner, right? Yeah. But here it's like it's like you sit down in the car and you floor it from the beginning. It's yeah. just it from the beginning. There's nowhere to go but just full speed, and it just goes the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably what makes it fun too. You know, we 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 embrace the over the topness that is the event. So having the two main stages like that, um, it also allows us. Um, Although I'm not entirely sure why it worked out this way, but now every band in the main venue plays an hour. Okay. So cool. um, it, it, it's it, for almost every band, they're getting a little more run than they used to to spread their wings out a little bit and play a little bit longer. Um, another thing that's enabled that to happen is that over in the Hippie Hollow area, which is the the the, the stage on the other side of the venue, um, we've increased the size of that stage to match the size of the two main stages. Mm-hmm. And to have, uh, you know, increased the profile. We got a couple of really heavy hitters playing on there on Friday and Saturday night, for example. We got the Grand oh, Royale. Awesome. Grand Royale is a main stage staple, right? So we weren't going to put them over there unless we could get them that much space, right? Um, and so yeah. the, the programming, rather than have after parties, we just keep the whole thing going. But now instead of starting at 1130 over there, it starts at 11 and goes till 1230. So it's it's not as late. Yeah. Um, but we got those guys on the Friday night. Now, Saturday, we've got, we've been wanting these guys for a long time. Pigs on the Wing, the Pink okay. Floyd tribute. So a 90 yeah, minute. Yeah. And both of those sets, we're bringing in lasers this year. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah I feel like we lasers. talked about them before, the Pink Floyd guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really something that a lot of people have been been looking forward to for years. And we finally have them. Um, of course, we were able to bring back Queen Nation this year. Um, which we had in Harapest 7, who was a big hit. You know, they're the number one queen tribute in the in the country, um, according to Polestar and their numbers. And so um, we got a Boston tribute, third stage for the first time. Nice. Um, it's Appetite for Deception, the Guns N' Roses tribute's final show ever. Oh, really? Yeah, this is it. They are riding off into the sunset. So um, they are playing their final set uh, on Saturday night. So obviously a lot of people are um you know they got their eyes on that set um no, no, nothing lasts forever even no but they cold, they've cold november rain right exactly <laughs> no they, even there yeah they actually they made a special edition of t-shirts that say nothing lasts forever um, <laughs> selling like hotcakes which is kind of cool so, yeah wow um, uh, they are one of the best people love them truly uh yeah. and they're other than my own band stone in love which has been there every year for obvious reasons uh appetite was there in year two and have been there every year since so mm. other than my own band which i don't really count in this equation for who's been there the longest because obviously right. I'm there. the appetite is the is the one that's been there the longest so it's a wow. and it's it's the band that i first worked with um that was the very first tribute band that i ever worked with that i wasn't in yeah um, so that was kind of, the, you know, in a way, like my meeting up with those guys was kind of the beginning of the whole tribute thing that I'm involved with. But wow. kind of by that meeting was kind of what led to all of this in, in, in many ways. Wow. Um, well, that's going to be a real emotional um, experience for them, I bet. And for some of the fans as well. Yeah, for, for, yeah. for all of us, really. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, yeah for the whole community. Like, I'm still a little bit of denial about it, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll have a great time and change their minds, right? Yeah. Hey, you know. Hey, even hey, you know, the real bands can constantly do reunions, right? We can hold out hope that we can have a tribute to a reunion show. There we go. Oh, yeah. that'd be amazing. Um, but um, and the last thing I'll say about things that are yeah. different is that you know we had a VIP section last year and it was cool, but um, you know, we, we ended up sort of not feeling like we were necessarily able to create the VIP experience we wanted to create at a cost that would still be palatable to people. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest reasons why people gravitated towards VIP is because we had the liquor options in there and not in GA. Yeah. 
So what we did was we're moving back to um, allowing and having for sale the liquor products in general admission for everybody. Okay. And so I think that that's people in general, for those you know, who that's important to, they're going to obviously like that, that option quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the, the big, big changes and upgrades I think that we've made. Awesome. Awesome. I love the uh, change for the stages. I know um, one of the things that's always been ever since I've been uh, attending and covering Carefest, it's been um, a really unique element of the festival is that sort of mass migration that happens between the two two stages. Uh, an innovation that you guys uh, have always done really well was that two stage where you, you know, while one band's playing, the other one is doing their sound checks and everything. So it's just nonstop music, which is awesome because the worst thing ever is the the sound check. I was just at an event this this weekend where they were doing that and, and just yeah. having a lot of issues with the sound check. And it was um, painful to experience. It's pretty interesting because basically, well, yeah. Well, and so, you know, even with the two stages being sort of more side by side, there'll still be a migration. You just won't have to go as far. Right. And, and, uh, and uh, they'll, again, no space in between, but it's a trip because basically like, while one band's playing, you actually are sound checking on the other side, but you're not hearing it from the house. So no. got, the sound guy's got headphones on. Right. And the band can still hear themselves on stage. So the whole thing, it's actually, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting technical thing, which yeah. you know, obviously we didn't invent. Festivals have been doing this forever, but it's it's still, it's a great way to maximize the party. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like nonstop music, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to get your money's worth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and I and I hear what you're saying as well about the kind of a a stage and B stage because, uh, you know, at, at the the two festivals last year they were at the fairgrounds so you guys did yeah you never felt like you're getting yeah you know, I mean even the the lights and the effects and everything uh, the the speakers all the technical it was all the same over there it was just sort of geographically with the lay of the land and whatnot, it was a little narrower and it's just a little different. Um, it just felt different. And it was kind of there, there, like you say, there was kind of that weird feeling. Well, why is this, you know, what, what, yeah, why, well, why, this feels and, a little like junior high over here. And yeah, I don't it's know hard why. to explain. And it's also like always awkward with bands. So I'm like, I mean, it's, it, it's almost like, well, why are we on this stage? Not this stage. <laughs> it's a fair question. And ultimately it just comes down to, because, we only have so many slots. So yeah, it really, right. it, it was wonderful to send out the offers this year to the bands and go, Hey, guess what? You're on the main stage this year. Everyone's Everybody, the, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and even in the hippie hollow, you're on the main stage. Cause we spent that one too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's and, 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 and also we, the, to your point too, like when you were over on that far smaller stage last year, like it had to have a smaller PA on it. So it just didn't have the oomph initially want so this way I mean, both stage have matching pas you know full power it's it, it's going to go to 11 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah awesome um i'd love to love to hear man obviously we love hair fest love to talk about hair fest hair fest is a big part of my question i'm going to ask but um you obviously do do other concerts and do other things in the the industry work with a lot of these bands that you bring to hair fest um and other gigs and and things throughout the year um and throughout the season how are things how are things in the industry what what's new what's going on obviously we had the the pandemic that we're now a couple years uh coming back from um are we are we back are we still on the upswing how, how what's going on in, with, with your you know, your world uh, overall it's really good right i mean overall yeah. it's really good um and but the answer really depends on who you are and where you are mm. right so if you are a venue in downtown Portland, for example, you might still be struggling a little bit, right? Yeah. 
Although I will say, like, for example, I was talking to the folks who, you know, uh, um, you know, some of our team was down there during Rose Festival. And I know some people who work in the crew and there are a lot of records being broken for attendance and and sales this year. So mm. it is interesting to see how the narrative of Portland and the reality don't match. If you yeah. actually go down there, it's slamming. Yeah. Um, but uh, the classic rock audience, just because of our demographic, might be a little bit slower on the uptake for that, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of that dynamic. You know, sales for shows are definitely up from, you know, where they were, you know, come right coming out of the pandemic. I wouldn't say they're pre-pandemic levels necessarily, um, but it also depends. So as a promoter, it's sort of one thing, right? Because I'm in the ticket selling business, but as an agent who's booking bands, it's like banner year. And part of the dynamic is that there's such a high demand for demand for, for bands. You get and in particular, more favorable it, contracts and things. Well, yeah. it's, it's driven up the price of national acts. Hmm. As a result that, you know, at your average like County fair, for example, it starts to make the tribute band seem like a lot more um, realistic option. You know what I mean? The economics of tribute bands start to yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, whereas maybe the one or two hit wonder or the legacy act might've made sense in the past. Um, so we're seeing a lot more that might've gone to national acts now go to tribute bands. That's, that's a good thing. Um, tribute bands in general are getting booked more, uh, cover bands. It's a, it's a mixed bag because corporate hasn't come back yet. You know, uh, meetings, corporate meetings and stuff are are not back in person nearly in the volume that they were before. Yeah. Huge chunk of our business. Um, but um, but in general, it's great, you know. Um, yeah, I don't have any complaints. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I, um, now that you say that, I, I have noticed that you know names that I know from Hairfest. Um, I'm starting to see them at non-Hairfest <laughs> uh, events, uh, which yes. is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Tribute tribute bands in general, I think. Um, you know, and it also is sort of a natural evolution, which is that the longer the, the more time that passes, the more of the real bands aren't around. You know what I mean? And it's always a little bit morbid, you know, because when someone passes away, you're just like, ah, it's horrible because it's horrible because it's someone's life. Yeah. And it's in the light and all that. But the tribute band, you know, when Prince passed away, all of a sudden all the Prince, you know, and Fleetwood Mac is having a huge year this year after yeah. he passed away. And, um, you know, some of it's because it's in there or, or, you know, Tina Turner tributes are always getting booked now, you know, and so it does raise the consciousness a little bit about certain tribute bands, but between the economics and, um, and the, just the fact that a lot are retiring um, or or no longer in existence. Those two things are fueling tribute band booking significantly. So it's definitely an up yeah. year for tribute bands. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't seem morbid to me. I think it's very honoring, you know, and, and that's why they do what they do is because they love, um, you know, their, their music and what it meant to them specifically and to sure. fellow fans so much. Yeah, I mean, given a choice, right? Even those of us who are in tribute bands, if we had a choice between the original artists still being around doing their of thing course. and not, despite what it is, we would always want them to be around. Like, that's yeah. the whole thing. We love these bands, you know what I mean? We cover yeah. them because we love them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're never happy about that, you know? It's just sort of like one of the sort of weird, I guess if there's a, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's weird. It's, yeah. it's unique to tribute bands in a way. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, Or that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, 
Do you know any trivia that isn't like animal related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hare Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hare is one of Camby's longest running locally owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te- I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Um, so it sounds like in terms of the the uh, live music and, and concert uh, uh, industry, we are still feeling in some areas some of the effects we're not fully um some of the effects of the pandemic it's not it, it's it's in some ways better than it was before but but it's it has made its mark it's not like um uh you know it's vanished or it's in the rearview mirror yeah, it's still I, I having also, an impact if you're looking at like i mean not to get too deep into the business business but if you look at market dynamics mm-hmm. um they they um there's definitely a shakeout, right? And that that it's it's just that can be positive and negative, uh, depending on again on who you are. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of different examples. If you are a uh, if you were a tribute band, for example, or a band in general, or an artist, or a promoter, or whatever, and you were sort of like you know maybe middle of the road, you know maybe the, you know slightly below average, um, it's a struggle right now. Right. You, you, but the opposite is also true. If you're somebody who's sort of higher up in the game and, you know, maybe a higher quality act or, um, you know, as a promoter with a with a little more history or whatever, it's like um, there are a lot of doors opening. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and the bands that are really good are getting booked quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the um, then there's then we have this consolidation. We've whether you're going to ask about it or not. I'll, well, you know, we we've talked about last time about what happened to our other festival, the yeah. Wild Air Music Festival, and so yeah. um, now that the cat's out of the bag, people can see that the reason we're not coming back is simply because um, Live Nation has launched a uh, an event that is uh, in direct competition to what we were doing a week later down in Deschutes County, and um, because of you know, non-compete contract. Well, you know, it's interesting because it's not, it's not, it's not just about non-compete. Yeah. It goes beyond that. It's like, uh, for one thing is they can afford to pay artists a lot more. Right. Um, you know, if they lose money, it's just, uh, well, we, it's, uh, we lose money in the first year of our festival, whatever, you know, we lose our ass, we lose our house. <laughs> I mean, it's doing right. Sure. Um, but, but the other piece of that is that, you know, if you're an artist, you aren't going to book at another festival in Oregon until you find out if you're booked at that one. Right. 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 So, um, you know, and I, we, we really try not to be sour grapes about it because again, like the same market forces that are benefiting me as a promoter, being in a strong position coming out of the pandemic locally are the same market forces that live nation is enjoying coming out of the pandemic. They're well capitalized, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and it's good news for artists and you guys are pro pro artists. 
It is. It's good yeah. news in the short term. Yeah. In the long term, it isn't because what's going to happen is they're going to all the little guys go away, and then all of a sudden they have no negotiating leverage. Yeah. Right. Um, but we don't even try to uh, fight the tide. Right. We're just yeah. too small, and um, you know we we're trying to sort of look at it more from a position of gratitude, like, hey, man, we got to do this. You know. Yeah. We sold out an event. It was original artists. It was we got to profitability in our third year. Yeah. We're the first festival that ever had Zach Bryan headlining. That's a, you yeah. know, and and that can't be taken away. And and you know, we're still in the game, and who knows what's going to happen in the future? You know, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so the industry dynamics are you know they, the 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 sort of I guess the haves have gotten more. And yeah. In some ways, we're haves. Yeah. Right. And in <laughs> yeah. some ways, we're have nots, and other haves got more. So eh, that's yeah. just kind of how it works. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, let's come back to Hairfest. I have a couple uh, questions about that event specifically. Uh, one thing that um, uh, we haven't talked about yet that I think is a big deal and a big change this year. Um, uh, we talk every year and I know you guys um, are, are big about talking about the impact that Hairfest has on other businesses that has on the community. It's not just its own insulated thing. It really is something that um, is, is, uh, very much married to the Canby community, yeah. you know, tied to uh, that community as part of its own history and uh, tries to give back and does just by its own nature with how many folks it brings in does give back. Um, that's a story that you guys do tell. And I obviously do uh, agree with it. I believe it and a lot of other folks do. But when you see something like uh, Emirate Construction come on right, as a, as a presented presenting yeah. sponsor for the first year, that's something that to me and to the public, I think is a real sign that all that stuff is true um, because Emirate Construction is not uh, obviously in the music business, but they're, uh, you know, you assume obviously that they see the value of this and they want to keep it. Uh, they, they, they see that it helps keep the community strong yeah i mean you got to figure that well first of all uh, emmerich uh um it, it is uh has been actually supporting us for a number of years right yeah. um in sponsoring in various ways and such so they've been a long time and i know with joan's business and a lot of the charity events that she does so you know um it, it wasn't surprising to see a, a company with their um sort of background of community right they didn't come out of nowhere yeah. yeah yeah and so that was really cool um and actually uh, people might not realize that this is the first time we've ever had a title sponsor right um uh, yeah i mean sorry I, I knew that but yeah no you're right a lot yeah, of people so it's the know. first time we've yeah. had a title sponsor and that's you know noteworthy um for 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 all the reasons you said um and it really is um it, it's cool because they really do you know, I, I don't think they're, I, I don't want to speak out of turn for them, but they it really, my sense of things, they really just do this because they love the community and they're just su literally supporting other people and businesses, right? They're not expecting you to get some big construction contract from this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they're, they're not, they're, you're not going to come on site and find this big, you know, Emmerich booth that's selling you something, you know what I mean? Right. And which is, you know, not that we would be not, we would totally be down for that if they wanted to, right? Yeah. But the point is, is that, you know, to their credit, they 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 literally put their money where they mouth it. When they say they support the community, they really do. Yeah. Um, and it really does help because I will tell you that although this is a for-profit endeavor, it is obscenely expensive to produce. People mm -hmm. just assume that we make money hand over fist. And I, I, you know, the truth of the matter is over the history of the event, it just isn't like that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there are other reasons why we do the event. Right. I mean, it's, you know, for, for Joan having the name of the hair out there and everything is obviously great for, for her business. And for me, as a guy who books tribute bands, it's a weekly, it's a annual showcase. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so we have benefits beyond, you know, if it was just for the money, we probably would have done, we probably would have been out of this a long time ago, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it is really cool. And, you know, um, and, uh, you know, with our kickoff party, it's kind of fun. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Team Ellison and local plumbing. Oh, yep. right? And they're super social and super fun. Um, and uh, rumor has it they've got a musician in the family. So there may be oh, yes. appearance. <laughs> there may be something brewing there. Wonderful. You have to show up to yeah. find out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, all the community. No spoilers. Um, I mean, I, I could, I, 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 I could go all, on all day about all the folks. And obviously I would encourage folks to go to our website mm. and see who all of our supporters are. And, um, and we'll yeah. have, you know, all that on display at the event as well, but it's a, the, the, the community and the percentage of sponsors that are actually local is, is pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. The uh, last thing that I wanted to ask you about uh, for, for Harris Fest specifically, we, we've talked about uh, very much uh, from the, um, more promotion and kind of agent side uh, quite a bit. As you did mention earlier, uh, you're also in the business of selling tickets. I'm kind of curious. Um, I'd love to hear, um, and this is probably something you talk about all day as well, uh, but but marketing hair fest. And obviously you've got your kind of built-in target mm-hmm. audience um, uh, for the folks that grow, grew up in those times yeah. and, and love that music. Um, do you look to just really focus and cater on that audience specifically and kind of reach out to more people in that audience? Do you look to attract younger folks as well? And how do you kind of do that? Um, what can you tell me? Yeah. I mean, the honest answer is we don't, we actually don't really overthink it. Um, yeah. You know, um, there are also multiple elements to that, you know, of, of, of the marketing, right? So, we, we it usually is we'll put more energy in promoting things that people aren't accustomed to, right? Okay. So obviously we're spending a lot of time talking about the kickoff party, um, and uh, on the Thursday um, we're, we're spending um, like oh, versus like overnight, right? Like that, you know, RV sold out immediately, um, and we've sold out like every tent space sold out. So for example, one of the things we're going to be doing this year, because again we got to be careful, right? Like maybe we could have sold more RVs or we could have sold more, t- you know what I mean? But the the goal isn't to stuff as many people in there as we can. The the goal is to is to maximize the space, but we want people to have a good experience. And so yeah. one of the things we'll be looking at this year is like, okay, how did we do? Because this is the first year like in tent camping where they're literally actual spaces. But the reason we did that is because we're, we really could see how challenging it was like to get there and like just have the free for all of finding your spot. Um, you know, that worked out really well when it wasn't yeah. full and there was plenty of space and there's a lot of space out there, but there are hundreds and hundreds of campsites that we've sold. Right. Yeah. So now we know that we have these all measured and on a grid and everything. And we feel like there's a lot more egalitarian way of doing it. Um, and also we're hoping that it just makes the, takes the pressure off getting there to set up. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you've yeah. got your space, you know what I mean? You're not like, Oh, if I don't get there earlier, I don't get off work. Somehow I'm getting the booby prize or whatever. It's like, no, right. I mean, you got to buy your tickets, you know, but, but everyone has that opportunity, you know, leading up to the event and that, um, and we'll do a pre-sale again next year. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, we don't, we don't, we, we know who our market is. It's, it's basically like our core audience and their adult children. So right. I, I, yeah. it's still the same. I call it the donut demographic, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a big hole in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like you know, forty and up, and uh, twenty five and down, and twenty five to twenty one. You know what I yeah. mean? 
30 something piece of it wall. There's certainly plenty of, of I folks. feel personally attacked. I'm in the hole that, well, <laughs> no. yeah, we, you know, we started, I love there, classic rock. Yeah. We started, we started flannel fest, right? This, yeah. is, this was interesting, right? It's up in Moses Lake. One of the things that people wouldn't be surprised of is that we get called by pretty much you name it. Someone has called and say, Hey, what's it going to take to move hair fest to our venue? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we're not looking to move, um, but there are other opportunities out there for other things. And so it's funny because when we started the flannel fest, it's like um, it has a new donut, Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, but it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, it's decidedly 10 years younger. So, you know, yeah. it is interesting how, um, and that was born uh, out of research, you know, uh, empirically when we tried to introduce, we have to really be careful with nineties bands at Hairfest. Eventually yeah. it's going to be baked into it. But by and large, we found that though it's a pretty the '90s festival has a different vibe. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, demo, you know, and sales are are great. I mean, we're yeah. we we will have more people in the last year. We can already tell that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Uh, well, that's all the questions I had, man. What else do you want to uh, tell us about uh, what's coming down just next week? It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> in, I mean, you know, oh, I know, we're just you know telling people to spread the word. You know, the main mm. thing is I really want people to know that if you've purchased a festival pass, you know, for your for the Friday and Saturday, that also gets you in Thursday. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you're in. Yeah. And it's not an extra charge there. Um, and if you don't have tickets and you just want to go Thursday and check it out, it's a $20 ticket and you can just come to the kickoff party and it's, you know, it's our band Radical Revolution. So we're playing 80s music live for three hours. And then uh, the Spinal Tap show goes on afterwards um, with lots of they've got they're really pulling out all the stops with the props and everything. And so. Um, obviously encouraging people to, to come. Uh, and I definitely want to give a shout out to the fairgrounds who, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Brian and his team over there. I mean, they, they, they continue to be just absolutely wonderful to work with. And, uh, you can really tell that they're, 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 um, on a path to build something really special for, for the, for the community and for the County mm-hmm. and the city out there. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of things, right. So I just, you know, I want to express that, 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 that they, uh, they have been, you know, wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, and and obviously Brian Crow with his background and and music and uh, live music and concerts and, and some of the other um, experience and folks that are on his team, uh, you've got a lot of kind of like minded, um, uh, a lot of really minds at the table. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. really is cool. And 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 he's you know I mean they, little little things like oh he built these uh, I think he built them personally if I'm not mistaken he built these like new because you know we we do we have we we've always had a free water truck right yeah which is great, but if we could pull it out of a different source, we could pull it out of a cold source, right? Yeah. So he, he just made these like two spigots. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't yeah. doubt it. He, he has said, and I believe that um, as far as we know, that Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec was based on him. So <laughs> Yes, that's totally it. That's it, right? Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's, he's driven by pragmatism. You yeah. know what I mean? And while he definitely dots the T's and, or, you know, cover, dots the I's and covers the T's, he's like, he's like, he's not about what can't be done. He's yeah. about what can be done, which yeah. is just a, you know, that's a great starting point. So just to be clear, folks are listening to this, um, they're like, oh, shoot, I, I wanted to get tickets to Hairfest or, um, you know, hey, maybe I think this is a year I'm going to check it out. There are still tickets available for folks to come check yeah. it out. Yeah, you get it at hairfest.com. Um, I would recommend getting them in advance, um, in particular, if you're planning on coming on the Saturday. Okay. 
Is it based on where sales are right now? Th- theoretically, day, you could get them at the door, but um, yeah, you don't that, recommend that. That day actually has a pretty good chance of selling out. Okay. Now, Friday's only, right now, Friday's actually only 100 tickets behind. Okay. So, but just historically, Saturday has a larger walk-up. Um, and we, we, we are going to cap it at 5,000. Um, we don't want to, we don't want to go over because, um, we, we don't want it to get uncomfortable in the venue. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right, man. Well, hairfest.com, like you said, all the, uh, hairfest on all the social media, uh, Jason, uh, as, as always great to talk to you. Thank you for, uh, your time and sharing some of your insights. Thanks for all you do to make covered as always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, rock on. We'll see you out there. Excellent. See you all next week. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the host of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. Their sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe. And we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though. (laughs)